0: I'm going to list some professions for you and let you just notice the first impressions or thoughts that come to your mind as I list these jobs or professions. A gardener, a car mechanic, a clerk at the grocery store, a truck driver, or a lineman that climbs the telephone poles for AT&T, or a farmer. Those are some basic everyday normal working class citizens in our country. Nothing is super extraordinary. Nothing is super special about them. Most would not be seen as super influential people in our society. If someone was going to run for a political candidate, those aren't the people they would probably seek out for an endorsement for us to become a political candidate. But they are good people, usually honest people, usually hard-working people. But they're not people we would go to and look to if we were going to make a very important announcement in the world. They're probably not people we would seek out to read a press release. Or if we had a big message we wanted to proclaim to as many people as possible, we probably wouldn't go to them. But that's what God decides to do in Luke chapter 2 the Son of God Jesus Christ is born in the first seven verses and God the Father in heaven begins his publicity campaign starting with some shepherds out in a pasture. Luke, the author of this gospel, he turns from the birth of Jesus in the first seven verses that we looked at last night at our Christmas Eve service, and then he turns to the proclamation of Jesus in verses 8 through 20. And in this proclamation, we're going to see a heavenly annunciation, earthly confirmation, and then two daily applications that we can make to our lives that we learn about and from these shepherds. So first, let's look at this heavenly annunciation and the setting in which Luke describes for us. Starting in verse 8, it says, in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now these shepherds, it says, are in the same region that Jesus was in, probably A location nearby, some people think they were just east of Bethlehem, watching these sheep and animals out there. And shepherds have a little bit of a reputation that some of us know about. Now, some people say that some shepherds or shepherds in biblical times were bad and evil, wicked people. But that has two problems sometimes when I've heard people say that. One is that the evidence of shepherds being known as bad and evil and wicked is very late. It does show up in some rabbinic writings and some descriptions of shepherds that are extra biblical. But a lot of those writings didn't show up until 400 years after Jesus was born. So they might have been true when they were written, but probably were not true at the time Jesus was born. And the view that shepherds were evil and bad people also has a second problem because most of the descriptions of shepherds in the Bible is usually positive. Some of those heroes of the Old Testament like Moses, Abraham, and David, they were all shepherds. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. And then in the New Testament, shepherds are usually described in a positive way as well. John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. When some of the other authors write about what it means to be an elder in a church or a pastor of a church, they use the image of a shepherd to describe what he should be doing. So this reference here to the presence of shepherds in the nativity story is not a negative point. They're not evil, wicked people. But it is conveying a lowly and humble group of people that here respond positively to God's message. Now, shepherds were responsible to protect their sheep and they're out there in the wilderness. They usually were young men. So we can imagine they were a little rough maybe, a little tough, but definitely not always wicked and evil as sometimes is described. They were young men, tough men, as I was working on this message this week, I heard some loud message, uh, noises outside of the office here and I looked across the street and there was a 15-year-old boy and then a, a longer, younger kid and they were finding all the big blocks of ice they could and they were throwing them into the street and as they were throwing them, they'd yell, crush it, destroy it. <laughs> and as soon as it would hit, they would scream, yes. And I thought, might be a shepherd out there in the middle of the wilderness, <laughs> just kind of like that, right? Just, Having a little fun. So that's the setting that this takes place. And in the setting out there in the region, in the fields, these shepherds run into an unexpected messenger that shows up in verse 9. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Now as we've read some of these gospel stories the last four or five weeks, there is a standard sequence of angelic appearance you might be noticing. Usually an angel shows up and there is an appearance of the angel, and then there is fear of the angel, and then the angel gives a little comfort, don't be afraid, and then lastly the angel will give a sign for that person. That's that standard kind of sequence of angelic appearance that we see throughout the gospels. And this unexpected messenger has an unexpected message for these shepherds out in the field and this unexpected message comes from one angel and then from a group of angels starting in verse 10 but the angel said to them do not be afraid for behold I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all people for today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with an angel, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. So this first angel, the single angel that shows up, has a few significant things that he says to those shepherds out in the field. One is the timing in verse 10. The angel says that it is today that this person has been born. So it's happening now. There's no more waiting. The angel describes where the baby will be born in the city of David. That's important because it fulfills Micah 5.2 that predicted where the coming Messiah would be born and then there are three titles that this angel describes of this baby that's gonna they're gonna find the first title is that he is going to be savior that describes his role as rescuer and deliverer for the people from their physical and spiritual struggles and depravity then he describes this baby is going to be christ which points to The baby's office as the promised Messiah or anointed one and then lastly describes him as the Lord Which indicates the baby's future? sovereign authority And that angel there in verse 12 just says this is going to be a sign for encouragement for you This is how you know you're gonna find the right baby He's gonna be wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger now, the focus is not what the baby is wrapped in, but where the baby is going to be located in a humble place, in a feeding trough or a watering trough for an animal. So that one angel speaks, and then a group of angels show up, and they give praise in verses 13 through 14. So that's this heavenly annunciation that shows up to these angels. Then we see the earthly confirmation that occurs with the shepherds. What are they gonna do? How are they gonna react to this magnificent message they have been given? And we learn that first, the shepherds talk among themselves. In verse 15, it says, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Now when that angel first showed up, it said the glory of the Lord shone around that angel. It was nighttime, but it became bright for a period of time. But the angels have now left, and that glow of the angel is gone, but that glow is probably burning within these shepherds' hearts. They know they got to do something. And there's a sense of urgency here. The old King James version says, now let us go. My translation says, then let's do this. It's kind of this idea of, indeed, surely, let us go and do this. This feeling of urgency that they have to go see this baby they've been described. So the shepherds traveled to Bethlehem in verse 16. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. They came in a hurry. There was nothing stopping them. They were on their way to see this baby. And when they find the baby, they've talked among themselves. They've traveled there. Now we see that they testify about what they have heard and seen, starting in verse 17. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. These shepherds from the fields, they are the first evangelists that get to tell other people about the birth of the savior. Mary and Joseph are there in Bethlehem, the baby is born and the shepherds show up and begin seeing the baby and they start telling people around them what they have heard and seen and reported. And their testimony, it says in verse 18, stimulated the hearts and minds of the crowd around Bethlehem. And their testimony stimulated the heart and mind of Mary as well. So the shepherds, they've talked among themselves, they've traveled into Bethlehem, they've shared their testimony, then they travel back to their pasture in verse 20. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Their faith was confirmed and deepened through this whole process. What they heard and saw came to pass. Isn't it interesting how God sends an angel and a group of angels here, not to some well-educated priests in the temple, not to some prophets to give a prediction of what's happened, not to a king of Judea or a king of Rome, not to a formal messenger that would have a big voice and could gather up a group of people to proclaim the message. Instead, God sends his message to some shepherds out in a pasture. Some basic, everyday people. They weren't seen as important or influential. They weren't scholars. They weren't philosophers. They weren't priests that knew the Old Testament. We're not sure if they even knew how to read. But God used them as some of the first evangelists to describe how he sent his son into the world. And that gives us possibly two applications for us as we live every day in in our culture, in our lives. One is that God's work in our lives requires a response. The shepherds had a job to do out in the pasture. They had animals to be watching. But when that angel shows up and the angel leaves, they left their animals out in the pasture to go into Bethlehem. Not sure how that worked. Maybe they split the group in half. Half the shepherds left, half went, and they took turns. Maybe they found some shepherds in a nearby field farther away and left them with them. We're not sure. But whatever the circumstances were, they responded to God's work in their lives. And when God works in our lives too, it requires us to respond Second, God's work in our lives requires sharing, which those shepherds got to do as the first evangelists. Now, not everyone is called to preach and to teach, but we are all responsible to share what God is doing in our lives and to share our testimony with others about what God is doing in us and what God's doing through us or what God is doing around us. Warren Wearsby says, telling others about the Savior is a solemn obligation as well as a great privilege, and we who are believers must be faithful, he says. See, we don't need a college degree or to be a veteran of church to talk about God. We don't have to be a priest or a saint to share our testimony. We only need to be a sinner that knows the Savior. That's all that's required. And I share this with us today about this group of rough, tough shepherds because they respond obediently to God's message. They shared his message passionately. And if they could do that, I hope that we can too. Let's pray. God, thank you for Christmas. A season and a day where we... Remember that you sent your son as a baby, fully God and fully human. He became one of us so that he could die the death we all deserve to die spiritually. But he took our place. And thank you for the encouragement of shepherds, some everyday guys out in the field that you used to spread the message about your son coming. And I pray we each could be like those shepherds, sharing what was told to us, sharing what God does in our lives, and sharing about your son with others, even if we don't feel qualified, or that we have that as our main job or role. I pray you'd help us this Christmas season Recognize those opportunities to share with others about your son that came to the earth. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'll invite you to stand if you're able. And we'll have a benediction and then we'll be dismissed for your Christmas. Let us go and be light to our community, just as we have placed our faith in Jesus as our light. Let us go and be a light to others so that we may point them to the source of our light, Jesus Christ. Amen.